Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. And welcome back to the pants party. Uh, a little bit of a delay since the after party never got recorded, Ben. Um, how are you doing today? They keep, on cha- they keep on changing. Classic. They keep on moving three three centimeters to the left where they have the mute button on this. Uh, so I miss it. Uh, I'm feeling great. The, I mean, I don't know how big of a Packers fan you are. I always forget. But, I mean, yesterday was about as good as my Vikings have looked against the Packers. And I can, I can honestly ever remember. I'm sure there's been times where we've dominated in more dominating fashion. But this just felt good. I always give the Packers like four to six weeks in the beginning of a football season before I decide, am I going to commit or am I not going to commit? Um, I'm and the same yesterday, way. Yeah. Like, uh, yesterday was very easy for me not to commit because, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just getting the sense that I'm going to be paying the, uh, the, the tithe as a father and husband during this this Iowa football season. So we went to the park while uh, my not-so-beloved Packers were getting their rear ends kicked, and Dalvin Cook couldn't even, you know, score a touchdown. I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. He didn't He didn't help me in my fantasy league, Ben. Oh, okay. As I say, did we both – I had a bet on Dalvin Cook scoring a touchdown, and it didn't hit. So I, I, but we both didn't talk about that. I don't play fantasy. How I always feel bad because I don't feel bad, but I, I try not to pay attention to the NFL because I watch college football so closely. So I yeah. don't. And fall is my favorite season. It's the yeah. best weather. So I hate spending my entire weekend indoors watching football. So I'm glad you're. I call it taking back my Sundays, and I'm, it sounds like. And it was absolutely dumping rain in Chicago yesterday. So uh, if you saw any of the Bears highlights, oh my God, uh, it was, was even ugly. wetter uh, in in parts of the city that I was in than on Soldier Field. Um, that was it. I'm glad to hear you were able to. Does uh, the South experience fall weather? It was perfect weather yesterday, Ben. Like I mean, okay. it, it it genuinely was like a, a crisp 75 degrees. Um, we rode bikes, we hit, hit the park for the kid, uh, going down the big kid slides now, uh, hit the brewery for us. Uh, so it was, it was really kind of a perfect day. And I'm with you. Like I, I used to spend so much of all of my weekends this time of year, 
doing nothing. And as Bill Simmons said, has said, like pumpkin patch weather. You gotta you gotta pick the, those weekends. And, and for me, it's every weekend, especially since eh, you know NFL. I don't have the red zone. Like I think that that probably changes a little bit. I got rid of red zone, you know, four or five years ago, and. There's a lot of things you can do on a Sunday, especially when we're licking the wounds of really just one of the dumbest losses in Kirk Ferentz's tenure. Has to be the dumbest. No, I mean, uh, probably isn't the dumbest, but... I don't know. It's the I'm dumbest strong. in recent memory, I think. <laughs> the problem is so many of his wins are so yes. dumb <laughs> that when... It, it talk, you talk about paying the tither earlier. It feels like this is just chickens coming home to roost uh, type of situation. Yeah, that's the exact phrase that I have sent in maybe a couple emails or texts over the last couple of of days. And it's like, to, to me, it distills into the single possession game statistic. He was just riding an absolute heater on winning single possession games. I think he was something like eight of the last nine, seven of the last eight, but they're essentially 50-50 ball games. When you really boil it down to it, some coaches are better than others. He historically is worse than others, but it's still like 45% historical um, win percentage that he has. So it's not like we're talking Scott Frost level futility. But Saturday is like, okay, we're going to start seeing some really, really dumb one-possession losses in the sense that whenever a team forces three turnovers, blocks two kicks, how many points should a team win that by? If if we're talking, you know, that type of margin play. And both punts were in Cyclone yeah. territory too. One was on the one that was scored the touchdown was on the sixteen yard line. What what yard line was the other one on the thirty thirty five ish? Yeah, yeah. Um, I already forgot the question you asked. How well, how many points should Iowa have scored? Or just like a random team that you know forces three turnovers okay. and and blocks two kicks? Like what what would you expect that margin of victory to be? So it's funny. So it's like. You can pick out two more touchdowns for Iowa. The Yarlin Bruce getting eaten by the turf monster and the Monty Potabom f- fumble. Um, yep. Same possession, but to your point, yeah. two, two cracks at the same possession. Yeah, which makes it even <laughs> more futile. Yeah. Think about they got t- close, so close, within so few plays within each other, and they weren't able to... Do it. I mean, if either one of those things breaks Iowa's way, they win the game. So, I guess that's your but answer. That's, but when you when you play a game trying to win seven to three, trying to win seven to zero, trying to win seven to six, you're going to lose those games more often than you're going to win them. That's ultimately where I come back to. Yeah, because I, I mean, it makes I, your margin of error so much smaller. You're not sneaking in through a door or a window. You're sneaking through the drainage pipe like a mouse. Yeah, and, and as you said... Or my stalker. 
lead it off is <laughs> a stalker joke. Oh boy. As you let it off, it's like Kirk Ferentz has won so many of these games that it's like, well, in some weird way, Iowa deserved to win, but they didn't deserve to win. Not by any stretch of the imagination. The fact that they had a chance to win speaks to just how weird that game was, and it was something Dad and I talked a little bit about in the lead-up to. It was like, this game's just going to be so weird, and in that respect, at least it didn't disappoint there, right? Uh, it's funny, like, the dist- I think the perfect distillation of my feelings on Saturday is, like, Bill Connolly, who's big football nerd, does the SP and Plus or whatever projections, and Iowa is always, like, the biggest outlier because uh, Iowa should be losing games by his model. And after Iowa had scored its touchdown after the block punt yesterday, on Saturday, he just tweeted the Jesse Pinkman, he can't keep getting away with this gif. And I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. And he's right. And finally, Kirk didn't keep on getting away with his brand of uh, thief of joying football. Yeah, that's definitely something I want to discuss a little more because it's one thing for eggheads on Twitter like us to be... Don't call me an egghead ever again. Well, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Just like I read pseudo-anonymous books. people <laughs> yeah. online, uh, you know, talking about this stuff and complaining about IO football. It's another thing for Julian Vandervelde to do it with such artistry. Like, I mean, like, it it really is, we settle in to watch these games, and we're, we're going to a family reunion. That's what we're doing. We are required to be there through our own, you know, requirements, and if we come out on the, the end of that three to four hours having had a lot of fun, that is house money but we're almost like at the point where we just know we're not necessarily gonna enjoy sitting down to watch an Iowa football game and it's kind of been this way for a while um maybe I I don't know want to put a specific date on it but to me the Penn State game is the easiest one and I was five and five since that game and all the issues that existed throughout all of last year could not be distilled more perfectly into the two games this year. Is there one thing after being able to step back and digest the game and read the recoverage? Is there one thing you're able to process that's new or unique or intelligent to add to the conversation following the game Saturday? To me, I think that the biggest takeaway from all of this is how it had been simmering. And, like, it was something I framed a little differently in the lead-up to this season where we're seeing beat writers predict Iowa to go 8 wins, 9 wins, 10 wins. And ultimately, predictions is a meaningless business. It's words on a page to to write. Um, But doing it in the same way. And that is something that I wish we had seen maybe a little more forceful from the coverage in the lead up, but I don't know if it's necessarily 
would change the coverage that exists now because I have never seen harsher media coverage of Iowa football than what we're seeing right now. And maybe is it because yep. they had such high expectations? I'm not going to say they had high expectation. I don't think it's because I think it's maybe they're sick of getting called out by talk about Twitter eggheads getting called out for not holding uh, Ference to greater account ever, you know, the past however, which is a sentiment to be clear. I kind of disagree with, you know, I think, um, I think they do for the most part, they do a pretty good job of keeping him in check as, as good as you can in that situation without being openly antagonistic towards him. Obviously, some of them are yeah. some obviously some of them are huge fucking nerds and do engage in some water carrying for him and the program and you know can't blame them too much for that but you know Docterman wrote something god I wish I had remembered it exactly but it was about as scathing se- as sentence as I've read uh, anybody write about the Ference era? I'll try and pull it up when you're talking. And maybe you know yeah, what I mean, I'm I talking think, about. Yeah, I think the meta criticism is that watching these press conferences, reading these press conferences, it's not like the the journalists can answer the questions that they're asking, right? Like that's how people want Kirk Ferentz to answer, but that's just not how he's built. And I'm there's only so much that the journalists can do. I think in their criticism, they've been fair. They've done as much shifting of the blame from Petrus to Kirk and Brian. I think what remains totally unexplored is just the nepotism angle. Like to, to me, I think that that's, a key thing here and how can you about. explore some but like i don't that. know that it cha- yeah how, how can you talk about it as a how sports do you explore- journalist though I no not even that how do you explore something that there's no nothing to hide there they are doing the nepotism yeah. out in the open it's not <laughs> like they have to foia anybody it's like you know we're being held at gunpoint but and like, and that's that. Like, how? Let's explore why we're being held at gunpoint. You know, it's be. Uh, I don't know, really. The the nepotism thing, and uh, you know, it's the the fake thing where what Kirk isn't Brian's boss, but Gary Barta is. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. That's like saying my dad's not the boss, my mom is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. I to, to me, the the thing about Barda that's always laughed made me laugh about him being Brian's official employee is that unofficially Gary Barda is Kirk Ferentz's employee, right? Like ultimately, the guy in charge of Iowa's athletic department is Kirk Ferentz, and I think you see that through kind of every angle. Even look at like Swarm, right? The the NIL. I was pursuing it in a way that lifts all boats within a tide, more or less, versus using it to really elevate a single player above the rest. And I think as you look at it from an athletic department standpoint, if 
you're running a a NIL program, the money needs to go to basketball. And those are the guys you miss out on by virtue of that. I think football, there's a value statement, especially with Iowa. Women's, that, hey, you hey put in, women's basketball too. Not just Madison. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's a value statement with football that, hey, you know, you pay your time, you, you do your dues, you're going to get what you get at Iowa after Iowa more than than potentially any other program. But from keeping up with the Jones' perspective, Iowa just right now isn't pursuing that in a way that kind of raises each program individually. Long way of saying, Kirk Ferentz, he, he, what's he accountable to now? Like, he, he's not accountable to anything other than just maybe we stop seeing people show up for these games. I mean, yeah, so the scathing, I mean, basically there were multiple parts, like, uh, Dr. Min reports that Iowa checked out two FBS quarterbacks, uh, which is kind of the first time I've seen that written down anywhere. Um, I knew they kicked the tires on maybe some wide receivers, but, you know, don't know anything about the quarterbacks, no speculation on who they were. Uh, but really, you know, the scathing part is, you know, he, Dr. Min writes the issues weren't hidden. They were visible at every turn. Iowa failed to crack the top 100 national, nationally in any major category in 2021, except for points per game, which was 99th. Um, for Ferentz, winning appears the enemy of offensive progress. His stubborn reluctance to evolve has dropped that side of the ball from capable to impotent, which... I think impotence like sugarcoating it a little bit. Um, uh, I, I don't know, really. I I do think like the thing that has changed is realizing just how bad it is. Like I, I know, Gukin had kind of the stat. I was one thirty first out of one thirty one in some advanced statistics. And I was going through my complimentary football scorecard, and you expect to see, like, a silver lining. Everything's in the hundreds except for quarterback sacks. One quarterback sack is ranked 25th. And it is just... When that's the bright spot, which is kind of weird. Like And, like, that's kind of where I kind of go to... I guess, yeah, the, the offensive line now. wasn't the problem on Saturday. <laughs> No, right? <laughs> in some ways, it wasn't. Like, there were two or three really bad play calls. But mm-hmm. other than that, the game plan is getting Petrus out of the pocket. He got out of the pocket just fine. He, but completing those passes is just such a different story. And Kirk has said the cavalry coming in terms of presumably wide receivers. But short of... Larry Fitzgerald picking picking Iowa, uh, you know, back in two thousand one or whatever. I mean, that that's a what if is Larry Fitzgerald and Matt Ryan in, in the black and gold. But there's no one that can make that much of a difference for what we're seeing outside of a complete teardown. And I think that's where the fran- frustration is. Is it's one thing to see it. And being use that as an agent for change. 
and just kind of tear it all down, tell Brian to go find whatever NFL job he can get, bring in, even if it's Bud Meyer or some equivalent offensive coordinator, at least it has the look of something different. And a new coordinator presumably has different preferences for which quarterback he wants to have, you know, friction there. Um, But ultimately, same actors, same director. We've seen this movie before. I guess for me, the only real takeaway I have, and this is going to sound like a defense of Iowa and Jerk, and obviously it's not, but stepping back, college football's a weird game. Wisconsin lost at home to Washington State. Notre Dame lost to Marshall. Texas A&M paid App State $1.5 million to beat them. Uh, Speaking of, I always like to talk about plays run. I think I I said Iowa ran like 54, 53, which is horrible on Saturday. Mm -hmm. A&M ran 39, and and they got sacked on four of those plays. Like, truly, talk about offensive ineptitude. Um, There were some other bad losses I'm trying to think of off the top of my head. I mean... Texas, uh, Nebraska, beat. Northwestern, oh, Nebra- Nebraska got favorites. fired. Yeah, uh, or Scott Frost got fired rather. Which, honestly, bummer. Really tough, tough, tough for Iowa and maybe the rest of the Big Ten West because now there's no longer a doormat there. Yeah, I mean, do, do we want to talk me about the broader landscape? Because like, there was one pseudo macro point I had around, like, Charlie Jones. And Mm -hmm. he's matched, essentially, his statistics through two games at Purdue versus at Iowa. And my hot take out of this is, what does that say about Purdue? Before Charlie Jones. Can you imagine their wide receiving core Mm -hmm. without Charlie Jones? Like, to to me, that is kind of the story more than, oh, he left Iowa to go to play for Purdue. Mm -hmm. To me, the funny thing is he's slid in to be their number one, and I don't necessarily think he he would be Iowa's number one right now in the context of no oh, yeah. Johnson and no Nico Regani. But it kind of makes sense to have Johnson and Bruce ahead of Jones. And yeah, beat out Tyrone Tracy it, twice now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, also broader point is Minnesota's the only Big Ten West team without a loss. To, yeah. Granted, Minnesota's played fucking pieces of cake uh but and Mohammed Ibrahim is incredible but uh I mean that's a crazy stat in itself which again is uh again silver lining is none of these losses have been to big 10 teams or conference brethren yet 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 yeah um from a big 10 west standpoint like my hot take with Nebraska and firing Frost when they fired Frost is that it gives them essentially three weeks to get ready for their resuming of Big Ten play. And if by some grace of God they can get to six wins, that that could win the West. If it's the right six wins. Oh, my God. Can you yeah. imagine that... yeah. if a crippled Nebraska program goes on to win? I, I just can't see that happening. As you said, weird things have already happened 
through two weeks plus week zero. Like, to, to me, the weirdest thing that could happen this season would be Nebraska go on some sort of tear. Their crossovers that remain are uh, Indiana, Rutgers, and I was looking at their schedule earlier. Um, oh, who's their, their third crossover? I think it might be Michigan. Um, but the yeah at Michigan in November but you look at it and it's like oh maybe they can get some momentum Ben you know a house money game against Oklahoma a bye week and then Indiana and it's like maybe Trev Albert's calculus of getting rid of Scott Frost now versus saving seven and a half million dollars and getting rid of him after the IU game maybe part of it is the West is there for the taking. Yeah, maybe. And if that doesn't light a fire under Kirk Ferentz's belly, then his wood's wet. I think that's what's most interesting, Ben, right? Like, it's just that Iowa has been... It's not even that they've been against change or, like, just not changed. But they have been so against the idea of change. Remember like, Newkirk? It only seems to happen when he needs a, a new a new contract. And we didn't we didn't mm-hmm. get that this time. But we got to the Big Ten West and he got his uh contract in the offseason and now there's there's no need. I think um I mean, the depth chart just came out, so I'm sure I was we should good. I probably... had a really nice segue dialed in, and you just killed it. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm sorry, Ben. It's fine. Do you want... We, we can cut, we can cut I already forgot if you want to... It's fine. No, it's okay. fine. Okay. But I think, like, as Nicholas put in our Slack, he's just trolling everyone at this point. Mm. Like, not even... Even if we don't even look at the Spencer Petrus being the... the starting quarterback Jack Plum according to Lysticow has played 15 snaps and he's still the starting right mm-hmm. tackle mm-hmm. um when it it feel I don't god it, it does feel like someone it feels a lot like we are getting trolled by it reminds me of an era of during the time of the pre- previous president where tweets of just absurdity would come out and it would be just sort of deal with it, right? You know, this is what you signed up for and this is what you're getting for <laughs> the next four years and maybe more if the coup is successful. Uh, so it's just... I, I, I choose not to believe it, but I also chose to believe that Padilla was coming in at the half on Saturday. So... I don't know. And, and to... And to be devil's advocate it's like how how does putting naming Padilla the starter help all it does is help Nevada maybe at this point right like (laughs) arguably yeah yeah I mean that's definitely part of it like oh let's let's keep this close to the vest uh ahead of that like I was going back through some of the tweets I was seeing in game 
and I want to get the name right. I don't know if it was Quinn Douglas or, um, oh, who's the other guy? Former Daily Iowan, Brendan, Brendan. I don't know. It might have been Schulte. So okay. Uh, uh, anyways, he said that Brian Ferentz was talking to Padilla on their way in to the locker room at halftime, and like ultimately. Kirk is just so hyper-focused on not changing this position that it is just, it's derailing everything. Like, so do you think Brian wanted, do you think Brian wanted Padilla in at half and Kirk told him no? I think if Brian had his druthers, we probably would have seen Padilla against Iowa State. We would have seen him against South Dakota State. And we'd probably see him on the one line here because Kirk's got his back. Like, but Brian still has, you know, a lifetime worth of coaching to do. Not necessarily, but like his, his future has been run into the ground by working for his father. It really has. I suppose you're right. Like if Brian wants to talk, we always talk about his resume Shit, one of the best things he could put on his resume right now is I change quarterbacks when obviously one wasn't being effective. And right now it's kind of missing, uh, making, you know, smart personnel decisions on the fly. And that's kind of important. It's just so bad, Ben. Like, I, I just, every, every I, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Every statistic I see is somehow worse than the last one. Like, Leistakow wrote his column about the, the... To me, it's an absentee offense. Like, it's not even a bad offense. It is an absentee offense. And he said, oh, this is the first time Iowa had had back-to-back single-digit scoring games since 1999. I'm like, was there supposed to be a home qualifier in there? Because it happened last year, and... We're still here. Like, the more things change, the more they stay the same. The only question I really wrote down is, what do you think at this point is more likely? Uh, oh, sure. And there, you have to choose one or the other. A full-on implosion, which let's say... What would be an implosion? Four wins, five wins? I don't think six wins. I would say no bowl game. Let's call that a an implosion. Okay, so four no or five, let, yeah, b- b- below six wins, or a turnaround. And I don't know what a turnaround looks like, because the team's still one on one. Let's let's remember it's one on one, and we <laughs> and we still have say what you will about Nebraska. We still have Northwestern, Illinois, Nebraska, which I mean those teams might not be that bad. Rutgers, Nevada on the schedule, and Minnesota. Um. So what do you think is more likely, let's say, below five wins or more? I, I feel like seven or more is turnaround-ish. Maybe eight, if you want to really reach for something. I would say hit, hitting the over would be eight, right? Yeah. Like, is eight or I think an implosion is more likely. Okay. Like, a, a four or five win season, to me, seems like where this is heading. And as we talked about on Saturday in our last podcast, like I just think everyone is pressing so hard because they know 
the offense is not very good at all. Like with the Terry Roberts stuff, the Cooper DeGene, what can I think, his penalty that he had mm. like I even even though that wasn't a penalty like that's the other thing that I come back to it's like oh if Iowa had gotten the game called right they probably won the game too but again when you play so many of these games as tight as Iowa does you don't deserve to win them at the clip that Iowa's been winning them when you like, and when you say the Robert stuff do I, I assume you saw his tweet too yeah yeah the, the tweet it's like all I had to do was keep my feet basically all I had to do is not fall down yep. and we win this game. Find the lie, first of all, but, like, can't fault him. It It's akin to, and I said this in the Slack, it's akin to all these players are sort of bending over backwards publicly to defend Petrus or not even, in Roberts' case, explain away the loss in a way. And I don't know if explain away is the right word, but I think you know what I mean. It, it reminds me of, you know, Anthony Edwards doing uh, mental gymnastics and press conferences to try and defend Carl Anthony Towns from going 0 for 12 for one night. It's like, that's not your battle to fight. And also, Carl's like seven years older than you, so I don't know why you're doing this, but it's, it, it is strange. <laughs> it's, it's strange because, like, ultimately, like, Petrus as a man is being put through the frickin' ringer. Like, he's being sent out there to quarterback an absentee offense. He's held accountable to it twice a week. Every every week. He has to keep, put on this brave face that... What else is he gonna say? Like, seriously, like... I, I recall Jake Rudock maybe having some really, really, like, depressing, in a way, situations where he faced the media. But what's what's he going to say? Like, he doesn't think it's representative of this offense. And, and that's fine, but people can only hear that so much. He's just being put in, in literally and figuratively, an unwinnable situation right now. It's too bad, really. I mean, you can't do anything but feel bad for Spencer, and feel feel bad for the defense because, I mean, this defense has the ability to truly go down as one of the best of all time for Iowa, and full play. Cooper DeGene looked awesome. Like these new guys, Quinn Schulte looks awesome. Kayvon's improving. Terry Roberts is is nuts. I think the Riley Moss touchdown was probably given up. Because they were on the field for so they've been on the field so long. That's a play Riley Moss usually, you know, would have made. I think with fresher legs and in the end zone. And it, again, I said it on Saturday. It's like all Kirk does is preach complimentary football, and this is the least complimentary football we've ever seen. It. Again, like, if, if Iowa was good at the things that complimentary football is supposed to be good at, it would make this easier to stomach. And, like, I, I don't know if, if we had this conversation, you know, weeks or months ago, but I just said, I would just rather see an, just a completely 180 season where Iowa's offense is great, the defense somehow stinks, and 
they're just in these barn burners because at least at least it's it's something different. But it is so hard to get up for this when we know what what Saturday is probably going to look like and maybe they're able to shoot out of a cannon and use that to to your point bounce back to eight or nine wins which would feel like a success or especially considering the low point now but it's hard to to believe that's possible when they've been a 500 team for the last 10 games feel like they're going to be a 500 team for the next 10 games right no 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 reason to believe otherwise no well, well, Ben, this has been a depressing thirty-five minutes. It, was there was there anything else that that you had written down that you wanted to to talk about as we we go about our our merry lives? No, I mean, I don't. I, my questions were implosion, turnaround, and thoughts about the depth chart. Yeah, I mean, let me pull up the depth chart. Just so that we can officially, I mean, I've got it. Cover that. There's up. no, there's no changes. So, uh, what are the chances that we see a second depth chart this week? <laughs> like, um, I think <laughs> non-zero. <laughs> yeah, it it's been over thirty minutes since this one was re- released, and the last the the revised one was re- released. Uh, 30, approximately 30 minutes after the first one. So there's that. Uh, I would say, so what, Kirk meets with the media today or tomorrow? Tomorrow. tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I would say I, I could see him saying Alex Padilla is going to play Saturday. I don't, but I also don't know if I can see that. So I don't know. I don't. We're not going to see another depth chart, is what I'm saying. On the yeah, the I only think... the only way we'll see is like Chad Lysakov is going to tweet Saturday at late afternoon. Alex Padilla is warming up with the ones in pregame. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's how Kirk Ferentz plays this. Like, short of it is we're reopening the competition, yada yada yada. It's what it is, and, and this is where like when I think about the way Harbaugh played this for him and his team, to me, I almost wonder like if that really is the perfect way to split the baby on a, on a quarterback, um, a QB battle. And maybe the way I would have done it if I were Kirk is Padilla is going to be the number one starter uh, against South Dakota state. Petrus is going to be the number one starter against Iowa State, and then Nevada's when we we get this thing going. And maybe maybe that is what you know. Maybe this the best case scenario is that South Dakota State was the best team that Iowa played in the preseason or the non conference schedule. Iowa State's worse than them. Nevada's way worse than them. So maybe they just weren't able to to build any confidence. But it, it it still doesn't excuse, oh, here are all the changes we're making, and it looks like the exact same stuff for 
however many years. What do you think is the biggest change we see Saturday? I mean, maybe New Jersey's. That's it. On Saturday? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm wondering if, like, a change we see is uh, 100% Gavin Williams and he takes 15 carries and he looks the part of a number one back in a way that LaShawn hasn't yet um, through two games. Because... Because I do think, like, that was another jarring statistic that I was looking at on or earlier today was, like, Iowa had no runs over 10 yards. But each of the running backs who had a run, it was, like, LaShawn's long was 9, Gavin's was 8, Caleb Williams was, like, 5 or 6. If you take away those long runs, Iowa didn't even average... Two yards per carry, any of those backs, and it's just like, oh my god, the what the offense Iowa is trotting out week after week is just so defendable that it it doesn't let anyone get going because you're never on the field long enough. Like I I, I mentioned this about Aaron Blum, right? Like that kid is getting cold for three hours. He has no chance to make that field goal because. He, he kicked the extra point on the first possession of the game and hasn't done anything since. Say what yeah. you will about whatever his mental makeup <clears throat> is. That's an impo- that's a ultimately what's coming what's this come down to is Kirk Ferentz is putting his players in totally impossible situations that that make it especially hard to watch. Because it feels like Iowa isn't trying anything different mm-hmm. to get it going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this sucks. Maybe maybe one last parallel, Ben, but okay. before we go. I'm wondering, is this going to be like the 2017-18 Iowa fo- basketball season where they were just getting routed because they couldn't play they were so bad on defense, and part of it was just they didn't have the right players in the right positions. But to me, that that seems kind of where we're headed. Was that the team us. that won four Big Ten games? Yeah. Um, maybe, but I don't remember that offense being particularly great either, was it? I mean, it was a Fran offense, so maybe. It wasn't relevantly good. Yeah. Like they were still like top 20 in Ken Palm, but how often, how much of that was because they would yield 15 point leads really early and then just mm-hmm. keep up the scoring with, with their opponent the rest of the way? Yeah. I guess you're right. I think this defense is just too good to make that parallel, but. And also. Okay. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. What did you think? I guess I never asked your question. What do you think is more likely? Eight plus wins or, or four or five? I think eight plus is more likely just because, again, this defense is so good. Our opponents, our schedule is relatively so weak. And I do, like, I mean, I'll just say it. If I think if Alex Padilla plays the second half on Saturday, Iowa wins that game. And so if Alex Padilla plays, or Joey Labus plays the rest of the season... <laughs> Iowa gets there. 
So I am I'm hinging, even though all evidence points to the contrary, I'm hinging my prediction on a quarterback change, and I'll stick with it. But again, if it hasn't well, happened, I respect that, Ben. Yeah, <laughs> you you have been as adamant as anyone that we were going to see Padilla after your uh, proclamation to open the season or before a game started. You were oh. very quick to to pull the ripcord on that. Which was what was Which it again? Was it? Uh, Petrus gives Iowa the best chance to win, more or less. And I said yes, right? I mean, yeah. I, I did say yes. I think we were both adamant yeses. Yeah, for, and for, holy for, shit, for yeah, accountability was... standpoint. Yeah, yeah, damn. <clears throat> At freezing, that's cold the takes. way it goes. Yeah, I know, I know. Old takes exposed. All right, well, um, we'll we'll be back. Uh, later this week with the after party. Uh, hopefully it's an enjoyable one. Hopefully it's one I remember to record. Um, I'm sure... A night yeah. game makes it yeah, tougher for me to commit to it, but I think I'll do any, any everything in my power to to be there. Well, I can uh, I can do what I can to, to have my takes and mm-hmm. let, let our listeners go crazy. Um, but, uh, Ben, for... For myself, for you, go Hawks, I guess. Yeah, I I, I don't even know if I want to fuck state. <laughs> Not this week. Right, gross.